Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. Second part of a two-week series, it's called Marriage. I've called it How to Have a Happier Marriage, How to Have a Better Marriage, How to Improve Your Marriage. But it's seven ideas that uh, if you'll put them into practice, I promise you they work. You say, well, how do you know? I'm 43 years into marriage and they've worked. So, you know, when I started this 43 years ago, it's kind of like all new stuff and what we'll see, but I can tell you that it works. If you were not here last week, the three that I gave you, number one was communicate, talk 30 minutes a day. Did you? That's not a rhetorical question. Did you talk 30 minutes a day with your significant other, your spouse? Did you talk? Did you try to talk 30 minutes a day? Yes or no? All right, I'll take one person said yes. Okay, that, that'll change the world right there. Uh, number two, kindness. Did you do something nice and unexpected for that person in your life? If you did, say yes. yes. That's a little better. Okay. And number three, how many of you have stayed together from last week to this week? Say yes. yes. All right, so we're doing pretty good there. All right, today is number four, five, six, and seven. Going to go through them pretty quick. I'm giving you the tip of the iceberg. All the stuff that I tell you is just the point, the verse, the illustration, the application, but you can research it yourself and find out, wow, there is a lot to that. But you don't want all of this. You want the tip, the point, the application, the thing to do. So that's what I'm giving you. Starting off today, if I could tell you one thing to do that is guaranteed to improve the success rate of your marriage by 26%. And it doesn't cost you any money. You don't have to read any books, no counseling sessions, no counseling sessions, no marriage intensives, but you can do this one thing. And actually you can start it this next week. If you could find that one thing that guarantees to improve your marriage by 26%, say, I'd like to hear it. Like All right. I thought you would. Now it's a final four season right now. Anybody ever heard of Yukon? Yes. Yukon? Yes. All right. Uh, anybody ever heard of the University of Colorado? Anybody ever heard of Oklahoma State? Okay. Those three universities got together a few years ago and studied marriage across the board in the United States. Young, middle, old, all this, all these things. And they came up with some amazing information. One, it debunks what everybody's always said. Well, half the marriage is in a divorce. No, that's not true. They also, I've heard this one said a bunch, well, the Christians don't have any better marriage rate than the non-Christians do. That's not true. I've been pastoring for 43 years, and I can tell you I've never been in a church where half of my people got divorced in the course of the ministry. It just doesn't happen. You say, well, where does all that come from? I, I could bore you with all the stats, but UConn, University of Colorado, and uh, Oklahoma State, they came out with something that I thought was the absolute most amazing statistic, and it is this. You can improve the, the, the success of your marriage by 26%. Those who go to a religious service on a weekly basis increase their marriage success by 26%. Go to church. Now, it's Christian. 
It's Jewish, it's Muslim, it's Hindu, it's Buddhist, whatever. But it says couples that go to church every week or almost every week increase the success rate of their marriage by 26%. So you say, well, what's the message there? Well, you're already here, so I'm preaching to the choir. But you got to come back next week to qualify for the weekly. Okay, you're here one time. If you don't come back till Easter or Christmas, it doesn't qualify. But those married couples who take a day out of the week and say, we've got to look up, honor God. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of life, the challenges of last week and the prayers for next week. You come together and you sing, you listen to message, you meet nice people, you get to hang out, you get free coffee. It's just a nice place to be. Now, that's Colorado and uh, Oklahoma State and Yukon. But 3,500 years ago, God told his people, the Israelites, he was on Mount Sinai, smoke, fire, you know, it was a big deal. They'd just gotten out of the Egyptian, you know, exodus, and they're out there in the middle of nowhere. And God says, tell the people to get ready. I'm going to speak to them. So Moses gets the people ready. The fire is dark. It's black. It's billowing with smoke. And God, you know, everybody thinks the Ten Commandments were first given by Moses on tablets. No, that was the rewrite. In fact, he got rewritten twice because he smashed the first set. But the very first time, it was the voice of God to his people. And here's what he said. I am the Lord, your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Boom. Number two, do not make any graven images to God and the images of God, not of people, not of places, not of things. Boom. Number three, do not use the Lord, your God's name in vain. And at that point, everybody said, uh-oh. <laughs> You mean, oh, God? Well, did you mean, oh, God? I mean, if you text, oh, God, and God said, yes, would you go, well, no, I wasn't talking to you. Well, why are you using my name? But anyway, sir, worship the Lord, no images. And number three was don't use the Lord's name in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Go to church every seven days. Stop, look up and say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. God, you're sovereign. And you acknowledge that. Those, according to the current people that research, I love science and research because it always is proving what God has been telling the world to do for 3,500 years. So go to church every week. Why? I don't know how it works, but I just know the experts tell us when you go to church every week, it increases the success rate of your marriage by 26%. One of the other things those people studied, and I thought it was interesting, they said if you are um, young, uneducated, and poor, you have a 60% chance of success in your marriage. So basically, young, dumb, and poor, 60% chance it's going to work. If you're older, educated, and employed, you have a, I think it was a 72% chance. But then you add 26% on top of that and it gets better. Julie and I have been married 43 years. Young, dumb, and poor. We were two out of three. I'll let you guess which two out of the three we were, but uh, but the one thing we did do from the time we knew each other till this day, we go to church together every week. So what God said 3,500 years ago, what the experts tell us today, all you got to do to improve the success rate of your marriage is get your spouse, go to church every week. And all the people said, amen, amen. it works. God said it. All right. Number five, uh, sex, meet each other's needs. Uh, this is the chapter. In fact, you will not find Julie in the room today. I've been preaching this stuff for 35, 40 years, and she never comes for this part of the message because, you know, she just doesn't. So this is the sex talk. 
which uh, in our current culture, there doesn't need to be much education on this subject. But in the, in the context of marriage, I will say this, sooner or later, it becomes a challenge. There's usually one person that thinks that the other person is oversexed and the other person thinks the other one is undersexed. I can tell you, stop doing all the blame games. It's pretty much a hormonal, biological thing that God has wired into us and things change, you know, during the course of life. Uh, I'm not going to preach on the what to's and the how to's, but I will say this. First Corinthians chapter seven, verses one through five. That is your chapter. So, uh, Ryan, if you can put that verse up there. First Corinthians. So it's now uh, Paul's writing the Corinthian church. And by the way, the sexual immorality and all of that stuff, it ain't anything new. I mean, look at the Roman history and the societies there. Things going on then were going on now. So, you know, people say, well, the Bible's not relevant. It is absolutely as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. Corinthians were having questions about it. So here's what Paul says. Regarding the questions you asked, it's good to abstain from sexual relations. In other words, no sex outside of marriage. Number two. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. So, you know, this, the marriage thing, it's a sexual thing is the way God designed it. Number three. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And all the men said, amen. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that, honey. I'm here to meet your needs. And then it says the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. And once again, all the men said, amen. Hey, this, this, this Bible thing's really good. I like this New Testament. Okay, it says the wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Is that, and then it says, do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. After that, come back together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. If you're interested in the sexual stuff, it's there. It's throughout the Bible, by the way. God gives you instructions on how to get pregnant, all of those things. I mean, it's, a, it's amazing stuff. I'm not going to give it all to you because that's not it. But here's what I want you to remember on this. Let me hear you say, meet each other's needs. I will never forget, I guess it was 1997, Viagra had just been out for like a year. It was, Viagra was a blood pressure med that had some amazing side effects that, uh, that made more money than the blood pressure med did. But Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter, retired, he and Rosalind, you know, President so-so, but Christian, fantastic, home builder, the Habitat for Man, great guy, wonderful man, Prince of Peace. He's on a late night show, I think it was Jay Leno, and Leno's talking to him and stuff. And he says, so, Mr. President, you know, Viagra's out of, have you considered that? And he turned as red as a fire truck. And he just looked down and he smiled and he looked at, and he says, we meet each other's needs. And, and Jay, it was Jay Leno, and he's just kind of, wow, that's amazing. I thought, how cool is that? We meet each other's needs. Have you tried Viagra? Not, not yes, not, no, no, I don't. He just says, we meet each other's needs. Let me tell you, in the marriage relationship, you know, when you're young and all of that, and it's just, there's ages and stages, but here's the bottom line on the physical part of marriage, meet each other's needs. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's both. In the world of sex, you know, men are more like microwaves, ladies are more like crockpots.
Okay? In, 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 the, in the world of sex, for men it's more biological, for women it's more emotional. Why did God do this? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he likes the entertainment factor. I have no idea. Maybe he likes seeing us kind of work things out. But the reality is this. There are times in life when you meet your spouse's needs, and whether that's emotional or whether it's biological or whether it's both, love is not you meeting my needs. Love is me meeting your needs. A wise wife once said to a bunch of ladies, it takes less time to meet your husband's needs than it does to explain to him why you won't. Boy, man. <laughs> It takes less time to meet your husband's needs than it does to explain why you won't or why you can't. A wise husband once told a bunch of men, husbands, he said, gentlemen, sometimes giving your wife a wonderful back massage with zero expectations is the best thing you can do for your marriage. Let me let that one sink in. A free back massage, free solar massage, tired. Let me just give you a massage. And every wife's thinking, oh, I know where this is going. Husband says, nope, not tonight. Not going anywhere. Yeah, sure. When did it ever not go anywhere? Well, tonight. Tonight's the night, you know. It's going to happen. So best thing you can do is to meet your spouse's needs. Maybe that's sex. Maybe that's holding hands and walking around the block or through the park. Maybe it's just sitting there and listening to each other. Maybe it's talking. Maybe it's just being together. Being together, but if you're going to have a happier marriage, there are biological needs, there are emotional needs, they both need to be met. Make sure whatever your spouse is needing, you meet that need. If you got it, say, I got it. Okay, number four, number three, excuse me, these two-part series get me all confused. So four, go to church. Five, meet each other's needs with the sex. Number six, cash management or cash. Let me hear you say cash. cash. The world runs on money. God's spoken an awful lot about money from the Old Testament to the New Testament. All kinds of advice in the marriage world. Two things cause more stress than anything else. One is the arguments over sex. And number two is the arguments over money. And in the married world, that fifth year of marriage is usually the hardest financially because at that time you probably have a child or two, credit cards are maxed out, you got bill payments, you got hospital payments, and there's more outgo than income. And so every two weeks when the bills roll in, it winds up in a knockdown, drag out fight. How do you fix that? You learn to manage your money together. Let me hear you say manage the money together. Doesn't matter who's, whoever the better accountant is, let them do the counting, but everybody ought to know where the money is. It's not my money and her money or whatever. You share the stuff. Here's the, the statements. Here's the bills. Here's what we owe. Here's what's coming in. Manage the money together. Uh, there are a lot of great chapters. One of the best on money is in Proverbs chapter 13. You can read it on your own. We'll give you uh, five of the highlights that come out of it. Number one, lazy people want a lot, but they get little. Hard work leads to prosperity. Second one, some people who are poor pretend to be rich. Anybody know them? Yep. And then there are others who are rich and pretend to be poor. I'll never forget when Sam Walton became the richest man in America. He was driving an old beat up pickup truck around uh, Arkansas. Richest man in America driving an old truck. You wouldn't have known he had, you know, two, uh, uh, there's a lot of expressions. You wouldn't have known he had a lot of money, but he was. So the Bible is clarifying that. Third one is uh, those who make their money grow little by little become wealthy. I'm going to make you repeat that with me. Those who make their money grow... Little by little, 
Become wealthy. wealthy. Second part of that verse was, but those who chase get-rich-quick schemes, their money sprouts wings and flies away. (laughs) And then the, the next one says, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. You say, well, how does that happen? I'm struggling just to make ends meet. I was too. Remember I told you when Julie and I got married, we were uh, two out of three. Remember, young, dumb, and broke is not a good thing. We were young and we were broke, but we weren't dumb. We we had a little education. So two out of three, uh, you know, were against us. We survived 43 years. How did you do it financially? It wasn't easy. I mean, it was three jobs at one time. Uh, It was doing everything we could. It was educating ourselves, myself on money, money management, all of that stuff. I started reading what God says about money and how to make it, how to manage it. You know what I have learned? I grew up with this, and maybe you have too. We're all about saving money. You got to make money and then save it, save it, save it. Let me stop you. If If I could get you to delete one part of that equation, don't make money and save it. Make your money and invest it. You say, invest it in what? Whatever makes more money. Where did you get that idea? Jesus. He told a story once of the three three servants. One was given 1,000, one 2,000, one 5,000. And the master said, do what you can with it. And when I come back, we'll set up accounts. So he did. And he comes back and the guy that had $5,000 says, master, you gave me 5,000. Look, I've made five more. Here's 10. Well done, good and faithful servant. The 2,000 guy, same thing. You gave me two. I made you two more. Here's four. Well done, good and faithful servant. Then the last guy who saved it put it in a jar and buried it in the dirt, got it out, brought it back and said, Master, you gave me $1,000. And look, here it is, $1,000. And Jesus said, the master said, you worthless servant, take what little he has and give it to the guy who has 10,000 because him who has more will be given. But to those who think they have, what little they have will be taken away. Message, several messages out of there, but one is stay invested. Let me hear you say stay invested. invested. People say, well, you know, I'm, I'm timing the market. You can't time the market. Nobody does. Just stay invested. Make your money, whatever amount that is. Give the Lord 10%, honor God with that, invest 10%, and then you live off of 80%. If I had $10 bills, one goes to the Lord, one goes to my investments, eight goes to food, shelter, clothing, bills, recreation, medication, transportation, all the other Asians that go with it. If I'm boring, you say I am. Thank you. Okay. All right. We'll stay with it. So back on the cash. The Bible says those who make their money grow little by little become wealthy. Here's what I want to give you. It's a formula. Are you ready? Now, this one isn't on the screen, so you're going to have to remember it. Buy a little spy with every paycheck, and in 40 years, you'll be amazed at how many millions of dollars you have. How many of you would like to be a millionaire? Raise your hand. Honestly, I mean, if you could be a millionaire without leaving your current job, all right? Here's the secret. Buy a little spy. Let me hear you say, buy a little spy with every paycheck, and I will be amazed at how much is waiting for me in 40 years. You said, will you explain that? SPY, it's uh, ETF for the S&P 500. You always hear it on the news, S&P 500 is up 0.3 or whatever like that. Well, when you buy SPY, you're buying uh, Walmart, Target, Exxon, Chevron, whatever it is, the 500 biggest companies in America, the S&P 500. You can buy a a portion of it. You can buy half a share of it. But you just tell your broker, look, here's my paycheck. And every paycheck, if I bring home $500, 50 of it is going to buy SPY. 
every paycheck, buy a little spy. Now, here's the secret. The government knows that there's not going to be enough money as Social Security to take care of you when you get old. I'm there now. I just joined the Medicare world, and I'm shocked at what little I get. Gosh, I've been giving to this thing all these years. That's hardly enough to you know, pay a couple of utilities. And they know that, and most people know that. But the government has figured out they let you invest your money. There's a thing called a Roth IRA. In other words, you get your paycheck. They take your you know, FICA and all that. So they pay all your taxes, and this is the money you get, your take-home. Well, you can take your take-home, that $500 a paycheck or whatever it is, and you can put 10% of that into your Roth IRA, and it grows for the next 20, 30, 40 years non-taxable. And when you take it out, it's not taxed. It's free money. It's the best thing on earth. All the other stuff, it keeps growing. So when you take it out, you get tax on it. But the Roth IRA, if you're married, you make less 200000 They say you can put 6000 a year in this thing or $500 a month. You say, well, 500 a month, where am I going to get that kind of money? Remember I told you I had three jobs at one time? Uh, there was a stage in my life where I slept and I worked, and occasionally I had a little time with Julie and a little time with kids. That's just the seasons of life. I got out of it as quick as I could, but you put years ago it wasn't 500, so now it's 500. Let me hear you say 500 a month. 500. Now, I know you're thinking that's a lot, and it is, but if you get a second job and you say this job is strictly to fund my Roth IRA, you put 500 a month in. And the, the SPY has averaged 10.5% over the lifetime since, since my life. It was started in 1957. It averages 10.5% a year. Sometimes it's 20. Sometimes it's less. But it averages 10.5% a year. $500 a month at 10.5% for 40 years. Guess how much is waiting for you when you're retiring? Anybody take a guess? Two million. Two million. Anybody else? Four million. Four million is right, almost right there. It's 3.7. So, and off of that, and it keeps on growing. You say, well, golly, I'd love to be a millionaire. Yeah, but there's a trick to it. One, you got to spend less than you make. You, you can't, uh, you know, your, your checking account, it's like the scoreboard. If there's less in it this month than last month, you're losing the game. If there's more in it, you're winning the game. You start your brokerage account. You say, look, my preacher, my preacher said to open a Roth IRA and to buy a little spy with every paycheck. And I can see them going, is your preacher a financial advisor? Uh, nobody knows God. <laughs> and, and God said, make it grow little by little. Don't do the get rich quick. Don't roll it all in. And I just say, Lord, I don't know the market, but I know that's the business. And I had people I've told, so I've preached this for so many years. They say, oh, the market's up and down. Yeah, but it's 10.5% up on average over your lifetime. There's going to be years like two years ago in 2020 when it drops 25%. Don't sell it. Stay there. Because in three months, psh, it was right back where it was. I've seen that cycle happen so many times over 40 years. I'm telling you, buy a little spy with every paycheck. And in 40 years, you'll be amazed at how much money you have waiting for you at retirement. You say, how do we do that together? Well, if two of you are working together, again, $500 is the magic number. If the two of you can do that or one of you does that, and this is for anybody, I guess, it doesn't have to be marriage. It doesn't matter. The numbers work. It's the miracle of compounding. What's the secret I told you? Okay, let's try it again. Buy a little spy with every paycheck. And in 40 years, I will be amazed how many millions of dollars are waiting for me? 
your grandchildren. That verse that says a wise person leaves an inheritance for their grandchildren. They're going to say, Grandma, Grandpa, where'd you get all this money? You were a carpenter. You say, well, I went to this little church one time called The Grove. Forget the guy there. He's been dead for 40 years. He died the day after he preached that, in fact. So, <laughs> no, I hope not. I pray not. But if so, but that's the secret. It's not to get rich quick. It's the working, doing whatever you love for a living, doing that. And with every paycheck, you just slide 10% to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me with the job. You slide 10% to the spy. Thank you, spy. All you 500 biggest, baddest companies in America. I own a part of that. I had one guy said, well, what if, what if that crashes? I said, look. If if Walmart and AT&T and Verizon and every name brand store we use in the world is suddenly out of business, whatever money you had is worthless anyway. Okay, look what's happening in Ukraine right now. That can happen to anybody in the world. But uh, I'm just telling you, on average, buy a little spy with every paycheck, and in 40 years you'll be amazed. Ah, one warning, little asterisk at the bottom of the page on this one. In about 15 years, you're going to go, whoa, honey, look how much money we got. Let's buy a car. Let's buy a house. Let's go on that nice vacation. And the answer is no. no. Do not touch it. Do not touch it. So there's a disaster. Then find another way to pay for the disaster. You let it ride. Ding, 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 ding. And it gets bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, you well, what do you know? The little chubby preacher was right. It is growing. And, and we do have something waiting for us at retirement. Don't count on Social Security. Count on God's Word. And God's Word says, he who makes their wealth and their money grow little by little becomes wealthy. Not big chunks, not all at once, not roll the dice and hit it big, not winning the lottery. Just save it and grow it little by little. If you got it, say we got it. Last idea, my favorite, celebrate your marriage. Make every anniversary a honeymoon. Yeah. Julie and I are going on our 43rd honeymoon this June. That'll be our 43rd anniversary. We started with the first one in New Orleans. We've been all over the place. We've done all kind of stuff. But every anniversary is a honeymoon. At least two nights and three days someplace. Maybe it's a staycation. Maybe it's down the road. Maybe it's wherever you want to go. But make every anniversary a honeymoon. The Bible says in Proverbs 5.18, Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Celebrate with your wife. Another one in Ecclesiastes, same thing. Enjoy the wife of your youth, the husband of your youth, the spouse. Every year, there's high moments in this year. There's low moments in this year. But you sit down. When, in fact, on the count of three, I want you to yell out the wedding date of your, your, your marriage. Now, we all have to do this, and I'm giving you a little lead time so you can check with your spouse. When was, was it June or July? <laughs> Okay, on the count of three. Ready? Wedding date. One, two, three. June 23rd. <laughs> I've got some undecideds in there. <laughs> All right, so you take that date and somewhere close to it, you say, where are we going this year? We're going to the mountains, we're going to the coast, we're going to the beach, we're going to the desert. What are we doing? And you go. Julie and I, we do this, have done it 43 years. We look forward to it every year. What do you do? We act like kids. We stay up late, we sleep in, we eat way more food than we burn up in that time. We watch movies, we go to shows, we talk about last year, we talk about next year, we talk about our dreams, we talk about our children, we talk about our grandchildren, we talk about life, we talk about everything. We just hang out together. We love it. We, uh, with the exception of our 40th anniversary, we had everybody, which is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. 
<laughs> Whew, 15 people, you know, it's a challenge. But with the exception of that one year for our 40th, we said we better gather them all, get the once in a lifetime family photo. And now, but we go out just the two of us. If you say, where are y'all going? We're joining you. We're not telling you. <laughs> we don't want you there. And when we do the cruise thing, we don't want a table with eight other people. We want one table just for the two of us. I don't want to meet eight more people that I'll never see or talk to again. I just want to hang out with Julie. I love hanging out with her. We laugh, we talk, we cut up, we do whatever we want to do. And every year, well, how was last year? Last year was really great or last year was really hard. Okay, it's done. How's, what's next year look like? Here's what we're going to do. Try, be, whatever. And then in the course of the conversation, is there one thing you wish I would really work on? Well, honestly, yes. I wish you would work on this. Is there something you want me to work on? Ah, well, yeah, maybe this. But that's marriage. You celebrate it. Marriages don't get celebrated enough. We get married, we have the nice honeymoon, and that's it. And we start having kids and work and all of that, and we think we've got to always be with somebody on these trips. No. How do you have a happier marriage? Every year, you make your anniversary a honeymoon. If you can afford it, you go someplace. If you can't, we've had a few honeymoons and motel sixes and stuff like that. Some of you don't know what that is. That was the 1995 hotel. Like I say, we were poor and young. So, you know, the only thing we had going for us was education at the time. We've upgraded it a little bit, but it's still the same thing. We get together, we laugh, we have a fine time. God is into celebrations. If you read the Old Testament, he says, celebrate the new moons, celebrate the planting, celebrate the harvest, celebrate the Passover, celebrate how I blessed you and take care. Over and over, God says, look, people, I want you to celebrate the good things in life. There's nothing better in your life than your marriage relationship. And the best thing you can do is celebrate that event at least every year at your honeymoon. Maybe you're better and you can do a quarterly thing, but celebrate. Let me hear you say, make every anniversary a honeymoon. Which means when you go to lunch today, you look at your spouse, you say, okay, where are we going? You say, well, our anniversary was January 20th. Okay, well, where are we going? We're going to celebrate that a little bit late last year, but this year. Make your anniversary a honeymoon. How do you live happily ever after with the one you're with? Not by being perfect. None of us is. Not by expecting them to be perfect. Nobody is. But by loving each other, making room for each other's faults, making allowances for each other's faults, forgiving each other just the way Christ Jesus forgives us. And by doing these seven things, talk 30 minutes a day, be nice every week, stay committed to your marriage, go to church every week, meet each other's needs, physical and emotional, manage your money together and stay invested. And number seven, celebrate the years together. That's the answers. A friend of mine is uh, a pastor. Last year, he did something that I thought was totally stupid. And boy, he's going to pay a high price for this. I was totally wrong. And I told him, I said, I am shocked. But he preached on marriage because we have so many people living together. And he had a bunch in his church living together. And he preached on the values of marriage and, you know, the importance of it. It's not always the big celebration. But it's that commitment that says, I am with you for better or for worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, till death do we part. There is something freeing in a relationship that says, I'm staying with you. We are together through this thing. I mean, Dave Matthews sang that song, me and you, we can do anything together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been these songs all these years. He preached on marriage, did a great job. He said, I know a lot of you are living together. And he says, listen, if you think that you two are made for each other, 
because everybody says that. But like I said last week, a lot of relationships are based on the rental agreements. You know, every lease renewal, you know, it's kind of like, are we staying together or not? But he says, ask each other seriously. If you think you are made for each other and you're the ones for each other, then get serious before God and follow his instruction. And he says, get married. And he offered this to everybody in the church. He said, if you are committed to each other, then we will provide one, uh, uh, all the marriage counseling, a whole day of counseling for the couple. And he says, and we'll provide a mentor along with that, with, you know, with that couple. Two, we will do the wedding ceremony. We will pay for your license and we will do the wedding ceremony. Three, we will give you $500 towards your, your honeymoon celebration. If you're thinking about getting married, then one, we'll pay for the license. Go get it. We'll give you the counseling. We'll do the wedding and we'll give you 500 bucks, you know, on your honeymoon. What do you think the response of the people was? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I told him, I said, man, Ed, you are, you're all, he said, well, we'll see what our marriage, the marriage department at the church. I mean, they were overwhelmed. It's kind of like Bill and Sue right here from that church. Look at it. Stand up for a second. These two are senior, been married forever. These were marriage mentors there in that counseling, but they had, how many, do you have, how many couples did you have you were mentoring? 60. <laughs> you say 60 and the church is paying $500. Yep. So that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. But these people were part of that process, but it worked. It didn't backfire. They had a ceremony. It was huge. People were crying. People were sharing their wedding vows, getting their, they had a professional wedding photographer taking the pictures. It was just magical. And here's your $500. Whether you go in downtown San Antonio, wherever, go and celebrate. It was a blessing. You think, wow, that's a big step. Look, I'm not making that offer to you. <laughs> and I don't know if Ed's going to make that again where he's at. But anyway, when he did, it worked and it was magical. Here's the point. God honors marriage. First relation, human relation on earth was a marriage, Adam and Eve. Last relation on earth is a marriage. The bride, which is the church, and the groom, which is Jesus Christ. The wedding feast at the end of Revelation. So you get this marriage idea all the way through. Not the living together, not the roommates thing, but the marriage thing. If that significant other in your life is there, then get married. Uh, like I say, I'm not promising you we're paying you $500, but you get the idea. Get serious, get committed, follow these seven steps, and I promise you, life won't be perfect. You'll have your highs and your lows and your sicknesses and cancers and tragic deaths and all that. That's just part of the life experience. But you will live happily ever after together. If that's something you want, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you follow him, his truth will set you free. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.